I am thrilled to introduce someone very dear to me who I met almost a year ago. When we first met, she was my boss, <laughs> and today she is a mentor and a dear friend of mine. She's based in South Florida with her baby and her husband, and that's actually also where she grew up. In this episode, we dive into what it was like to have mentors growing up as first gen and how we had to seek them out when people were trying to hold us back. We also talk about how it's so important for first gen to have a support system and to have mentors who believe in them and will also help them get to that next level, whether it's in schools, in their community, and just other programs like Big Brother, Big Sister, which was something I myself have been involved in. And honestly, I saw the impact firsthand that that type of program truly makes on today's youth. This topic is very, very close to my heart, and I think it's also why me and my next guest clicked from the very beginning. This is Jessica. My name is Jessica Osorio, and I am, like you mentioned, based out of South Florida. I am Colombian, Colombian American. Basically, the story begins way back when in the 70s when <laughs> my parents uh, met. They didn't meet until uh, they had eventually found each other in New York. So they were born and raised in Colombia, but came to the States uh, really um, young. My dad was about 15. My mom was 19. They meet in Queens and the rest is history. Back then, you met, six months later, you're married, and then you're grinding together, working hard, immigrants, you're like working three jobs, you've got the American dream in sight, like all, you know, all goal, all of the goals were um, geared toward them just saving and succeeding and becoming business owners. So they were doing that, they were grinding when they were really young. You know, fast forward, they get to the 70s. A lot of people were moving from New York to South Florida. It was just like a huge wave of opportunity. And they were one of those uh, folks. And they came down and started opening businesses, variety of businesses, from a Colombian restaurant called La Brasa to my mom's uh, hair salon. That was her craft that she had been honing since she was about 15 back in Colombia. And so she opened her hair salon. They opened the the uh, restaurant together. And then my dad also was working at an aviation company, uh, making parts of airplanes. So he had the mechanical engineering experience that he gathered that experience while he was in New York, taking off a lot of like one-off jobs. He also learned the welding craft as well. And then, so he took, he brought that down here and, and got this like mechanical engineering welding kind of combo craft job at an aviation company. And he was there for a long time. I'd say that's where he like what built the foundation of um, the the family. Like basically that funded a lot of the entrepreneurial uh, projects and it was like the steady, the steady income. They're doing that. They're grinding again, but this time with their own businesses and, and then dad at the company. And um, they were trying to like, you know, uh, embark on that next chapter of, of their family, uh, bringing in a kid into the world. 
they tried and tried and they couldn't um, naturally. So eventually my mom had the idea of adopting, but she wanted to adopt back from home country, Colombia. And that's how I come into the picture. Wait, can uh, I just say the fact that your parents are these like boss people in America and they're like, I'm going to go back and we want a kid and it's going to be from Colombia. Like the fact, I guess I just can't comprehend because like my parents were so opposite where like it was more so survival. But like, I think it's really cool how your family, while it's also survival, they still like stepped it up in like a very big way, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because I want to come back to, you know, there's one quote that has stuck with me later in life, in my adult life, especially in my career about like, if you're in, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I, I think now when I think about like my life story, I think back to both of my parents thought that way, not knowing that quote. And so they gathered all of these experiences and learned different, a variety of crafts just in that like hustle, hustle, hustle spirit, that immigrant spirit of like, I need to work. Um, I need to work hard and I need to work as much as I can. And so I know I like skimmed over that, but when they were both in, in New York, they were both working three jobs independently. So that's six jobs between the two of them, learning random stuff. So um, I think it was like, it, it just, it's just like, it's embedded in, in, in our, in our families, just like DNA when, you know, how you can say like a company has a DNA, even though we don't share blood, it's like a culture that we share, that we share, that makes us who we are. You know, to your point, like there was this like, all right, we're doing well, we're, we're doing well for ourselves and we want, you know, we want to bring some, uh, you know, we want to bring the next generation in, but we want it to be really close to home. And so there's this like, it's such a selfless act and it's, it's, I mean, you're saving, um, a child's life really. Cause you have no idea where it could have ended up if they had, you know, if you don't interject and, and adopt. Um, but yeah, so for them to say, no, we're going back to our roots. Like, I think that was, it was really beautiful and, you know, honorable. Um, and then the rest is history. I'm raised in South Florida. Um, I grew up in a very Jewish uh, predominant community. Um, so and again, going back to like this, this interesting theme that goes throughout my, my parents' adult life and then throughout my life all the way up to where I am now about not being, you know, being in a room with people who can mentor and inspire and guide you. So there's this inside joke in my family that that I'm basically raised by a combination of old, uh, wise uh, New York Jewish women because my mom had worked with New York Jewish women since she got to New York in the salons, uh, you know, at this, the, the beauty scene. And she kept that same type of clientele when she opened her salon in, um, in Broward County. And again, it was just a predominantly Jewish uh, neighborhood. So literally every night, every single night around the dinner table, there'd be a new lesson. And it always started with, pues mi clienta me dijo, which means my client told me. And every life lesson was that. It started that way. And again, the context is all the clients were Jewish ladies. So <laughs> it's so funny you say that, Jess, because... I think about like my mom. So I mentioned this before in the podcast where my mom cleans houses for, you know, obviously people who can afford a house, a housekeeper. 
what they tell her she takes it to heart like oh this person told me this like and i think that was the way it was as i was growing up like she learned it from someone else but now as an adult and like i have my own thoughts and i have my own community and like mentors i'm like she shouldn't listen to them like they're not (laughs) the right like when i was younger yeah i took it to heart but now i'm like um don't listen to that person just like clean their house and leave (laughs) it's funny you say that because like anything in life someone can someone can influence you for the good or the bad you know the worse better and um in this case i think that they they helped her shape the badass businesswoman she is today so i think it was for the better um and there were just a lot of great life lessons for all of us as a family for me growing up. Um, but I'd say a lot of the financial literacy that my mom has today and has had, and it is what led to all of her really smart money moves, like Cardi B likes to say, I would say they came from those beautiful women who guided her and mentored her. Um, so it, it, it becomes generational, right? Like if, if your parents are really good at financial literacy and understand it and make good moves and decisions, they're going to pass it on to you and then you're going to pass it on to the next generation. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful for those clientas because uh, they set my mom up for, uh, for success. And really my mom was, um, she was the decision maker of, of all of those things with the family, right? Like dad, extremely hardworking, shows up every day, made the money, came back extremely loyal to his family and to his role as, you know, uh, the dad of the family, the, the man of the house. Um, but she was the the brains behind the operation. That's um, amazing. And what's cool is that, like, these clientas, while they were her clients, they were in a way her consultants, you yeah. know, like, it was free cons- like consultation to your mom yeah. who was able to bring it back home, but like she wasn't paying someone to give her this advice. Or I think in my situation with my parents, you know, money was always an issue. And I think that's because they worked for these like high-end people and they wanted to impress them versus learn from them. And I think that's right. where like that shift happens um, because they were trying to, you know, not – they didn't want anyone to feel bad for them, so they pretended everything was okay versus learning from them and, like, being a sponge where I think I got that sponge piece because I'm like, can you tell me about this, you know, versus, right. oh, no, I got it. Like, I don't need your help. So It's funny. I, If I think about the type of person I am, I'm just incredibly open-minded, flexible, uh, open to different experiences. I like every genre of music. And I think it translates to just my friends and network as well. I have friends from all walks of life, from all over the world. Race is not, you know, is not a factor. Religion is not a factor. Like, I don't care what's, where you're coming from or what's, what makes you, you. Like, I appreciate just knowing so many different folks and, and what they have to bring to the table. And so to tie it back to this, like, theme of the, like, the, la clientas and the guidance, my, the first daycare I ever went to was JCC, Jewish Community Center. Even though I was baptized Catholic, we went to Catholic <laughs> church every Sunday. And That's so, amazing. So basically, I've, I've just grown up loving various religions and people of these various religions. And I think that that has definitely showed up in different parts of my life, again, with the friends that I have, and then just how I navigate different folks in corporate America, too. Like, 
I understand cultural differences. I'm empathetic to them. I know how to work with them and through them, not like, not, you know, avoiding or, uh, you know, just banging my head against something that I don't understand. And if I don't understand it, I seek to understand it. So I think it all stems from that first interaction at daycare where I was surrounded with, you know, folks from a different culture that I had to learn all about that I love, right? I like absolutely love um, diving into those different cultures. So, and then in middle school, my parents end up buying um, a home in a different city called Weston, which is like suburbs of uh, Fort Lauderdale. It was a huge culture shock for me because there I am this like Colombian American girl. We grew up speaking Spanish in my house. That was the first language and the predominant language in our home. My parents were adamant about instilling Colombian culture in me and making sure that I was bilingual and that I understood where I came from and the culture of Colombia, um, but that I was also excelling in school and learning, you know, to speak English and um, kind of embedded in just both cultures all the time. There was like an expectation of like, you are, you are Hispanic, you're going to speak Spanish and you're going to speak it well. And you're also American and you're going to school here and you're going to speak English well and do really well in this um, environment as well. So yeah, there was, that's the, another story, right? Where the layer of like the pressure to exceed <laughs> because now I was in a, in a city where um, the majority of folks were Hispanic, uh, mostly from Venezuela and Colombia. And um, it was interesting because there I am. I look like everybody else. I can speak Spanish, but by now I'm, you know, I'm mostly speaking. I mean, English is what I spoke mostly all the time. All You're my speaking friends, Hebrew and Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> all my friends, all of them are, you know, gringas and Jewish gringas, and so they're not speaking Spanish with me. I'm not practicing that at school. <laughs> you know, there I only spoke it at home, and. And it's funny because going back to like the pressure, my parents would be like, you need to speak Spanish. Oh, yeah, but you're going to speak English to us so we can practice. I'm like, oh, my God, what are we doing here? That is, is literally it? like such a typical like Hispanic. Parent thing to do. Oh, my God. Like you're eight years old. OK, teach me Spanish. Teach me English now. How do we write right. this? Right. I'm still exactly. doing that today. Oh, and read these like really complicated tax papers for me. <laughs> Even though you're 10. Like what? I you that, like the legal papers. It's like. We're the tech people. We're the we're like our family's lawyer. We're, yeah, we're the yeah, lawyer. Like, we're the CTO. We're, we're we have this... to bargain with like AT and T on the phone and yell at them. And like my mom be like, "Tell them this," and I'm like, "I don't know what you know." I don't even to, know like... what this is. Yeah, <laughs> what is a utility bill? Who cares? Get on the phone with Sunrise Water. I'm like, oh my god, what are you talking about? Yes, oh I totally, totally. Yep. Yeah, that was growing up Hispanic. I'm telling you, it was just. Uh, that's why I have anxiety honestly just like oh because as a kid I was like pressured to do these like adult things in English while yeah. like trying to translate my mom's Spanish speaking and be like excuse me Verizon like yes. <laughs> my mom says yes. she's not paying this bill like yeah. what do you want from me but it's so funny right because it's frustrating in the moment but when we look back now and we think about like a shitty day at work where there's a challenge thrown your way we don't crumble and we don't give up and we don't say, I can't do this goodbye. We stick through it and figure it out because we had to figure it out at 10, 12, 15, every yep. age, you yep, know? Exactly. So there's this like 
extra factor of like, I got, I've got to figure this out one way or the other, you know, there. So I'm in this like middle school and everyone is mostly Colombian or Venezuelan and they're speaking like the new age dialect from that, those countries. So like basically like all the slang and I'm like, what are you even saying? So here I am, I'm, I think I'm Colombian. I grew up in a Colombian house but my parents, there's a 40 year generational gap. Like there's four, four decades between my parents and myself. So they grew up in old Colombia, like speaking vos, usted, y si señora, yeah. no señor, like a different Like romantic, the romantic language. Yeah, <laughs> like now it's straight like, from ah. the motherland, Castellano, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm, and these like, you know, fellow seventh graders are trying to talk to me and they're like... I, I'm not even going to attempt to make the impression, but I was just like, what are you even saying? Oh my God. So now I felt like a, a Hispanic that was lost. I'm like, am I not? Am I not Hispanic? Hold on a second. Am I not Hispanic enough? Interesting. So was that when you were like, wait, there's another way to speak Spanish? <laughs> or were you like, wait, why don't we all speak the same? Like, what was your Yeah, I think that's then? probably, yeah, that's a good, I think that's probably when I started asking questions like, oh, we don't all speak the same Spanish. And what is this modern Spanish you're speaking? And I'd go home and I'd tell my mom about like, but mom, everybody just says tu. She's like, that's in a, that's informal. That's not correct. It's usted. And I'm like, I'm so confused. <laughs> so I'd say that was a, a big turning point for me because I started to see more people who looked like me and who kind of walked through life like me, right? Like that's where I, I made those friends that were in a similar boat where we didn't really speak perfect Spanish. We did speak perfect English, but we very much were proud of our like, Colombian or Puerto Rican or whatever Hispanic uh, American uh, background, you know? Yeah, I feel like you were probably like those like confident girls that like I was jealous of because I was so <laughs> like I hated being Hispanic because I'm like, okay, this, you know, it's you know, not like what everyone about else. That. I talk about that in my other like episode. I actually talk about it a lot um, because I've, I've come to this place where I'm like, wow, I'm so ashamed that I felt that way when I was younger but I really did not want people to know that I was Hispanic because I got like looked down on but I also grew up in a very predominantly white school so like yeah people would make jokes like oh your dad's gonna you know mow my lawn or shit like that and I'd be like what you know like why are people saying this stuff so I never got that opportunity to like be proud of being a Salvadorian and American I almost wish I had that because it you probably had a sense of community and I really didn't have that until like later on in life yeah and that's so huge like not yeah. having that sense of community and that that you know just circle you trust and that you understand that they've also experienced life in a very similar way it's it's a gift and yeah it's I hear that a lot actually where um either you might have been the one or the minority at your school or in your community and it just really it's isolating and you don't really know how to feel about it right yeah it was very different I wonder I always think about that like what would my life have been like if I had that community and felt more like I had a place you know versus yeah. being isolated so when I was in high school, uh, you know, hip hop was was at the core of everything. And I'm talking like the 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 Puff Daddy, Mace, Tupac kind of era. 
um j-lo was just coming up and up and everybody like she had just dropped her first album and this like urban scene was um i'd say like guiding the 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 culture the scene um in high school and so you know that that ended up creating uh a few things so as much as like i don't want to say hey hip-hop is like a troublemaker kind of influencer it it it, it was that you know like the lyrics the scene what you would see in music videos and I got sucked in. I got sucked into like literally the quote scene, which Miami, South Florida is very scene related, right? It's very much like, what's going on? Where were you? Where were you seen? You know, what is she wearing? Like just really silly, superficial stuff um, that you, you just kind of get sucked into. Meanwhile, all along, my mom is like, again, that immigrant pressure of like, you're, you know, you're going to college, you need to have a career, you're going to be, you know, back then it was like a doctor or lawyer, that is it, that is like all I could, that's what mom thought was success, right, but I'm, I'm like, mm, you know, you don't get it, mom, like, I'm all about the scene right now, it's about popularity, but she also didn't know how to navigate certain timelines, because she had not gone to college, so she didn't understand as much as every single day was like a lecture about what my future needed to be. She also wasn't aware of like, hey, by junior, you know, by sophomore year, you need to have done X, Y and Z. By junior year, you should already have your eyes set on the college. By senior year, you know, your tours are done, your applications are in and you're like well on your way. Like um, that was something that we had no clue about no matter how driven my mom was and focused about me getting into school. She didn't know those things. So it was like our responsibility because we were in school and you know, our guidance counselors were the ones telling exactly. us. Exactly. Right. Like and our parents had no idea. So I'm in my like junior year. I'm not doing great with my grades, but I didn't understand how important it was to keep a certain GPA up. And so I'm in this, uh, advisor's office, uh, guidance counselor, like you said, and she was, she was racist period. Like we've, we've later confirmed it. Cause my mom was all up in there. She was asking the questions. She, you know, as per usual, trying to research what, what do we do? And my mom shows up, she's in the office with me. And this guidance counselor was just like, yeah, it's fine. You don't really need to worry about college. Like she basically was trying to talk me out of it versus trying to talk me into and it's just it's so interesting our people minorities of all shades of brown that these are the years that these groups need the most support especially first gen because they don't their family doesn't know how to navigate it and having guidance counselors like that that are trying to just keep to to hold their you know that glass ceiling above us and and to stifle us like they need to get the hell out of those positions, but sometimes they're there and I happen to come across one of them. But my mom being my mom, who she's like, bitch, please, ain't nothing holding me back or my daughter back. We just kept, you know, yeah. looking, we looking for more mentors. And actually through yeah. that time, the vice principal of the school believed in me greatly because he was actually my step. So when I moved to Weston, he was my seventh grade teacher and I was way ahead of the class. It's funny because at this point he had excelled in his career. He was now the VP, the vice principal. And I, I was like, forget this guidance. I'm skipping right over skip level going to the VP. And I'm going to talk to Mr. Nelson. Now he's a mayor. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like things that we do for work now. We're like, you're yeah. not being helpful. Goodbye. Skip level. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. 
You, exactly, Jamie. And this is what I mean, right? Like when people ask me like, wow, how are you so confident at work? I'm like, because I had to get through shit before. I had to go through obstacles before. This is not the first time. I'm not intimidated no. by leadership. They're just yeah. humans who are further along the, you know, the path. We've been you know? here. We've done this. We've seen this. He mentored me through everything, every, every question I had, he was there to answer. I would spend like hours and like he'd, he'd be like, you come to me, like instead of going to lunch, I'd come talk, talk to him in high school. So like, there I am trying to navigate like popularity, but like, I need to go talk to Mr. Nelson because I need this guidance, right? That I, that my mom doesn't know of because she hasn't had to put herself into a college in, in right. America. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing that you had someone that like took you under their wing. In my last episode, my friend Jen was talking about how like her guidance counselor was like, do not apply to Ivy League schools because you're going to hurt someone else's chances, right? And it's oh like, God. what the hell? And she got into NYU as her, like, reach school, but, like, she had zero trouble getting into NYU. Like, she 100% yeah. would have gotten into an Ivy League had someone actually took her on her wing, you know? Yep. So I'm glad that your mom was like, nope, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> but when you think about the, I don't know, millions of students in urban, inner city uh, schools who are just – not given that support and you know I think we've all heard like the self-fulfilling prophecy if everyone keeps telling you you shouldn't try and that you're not meant to go to school you just end up believing it even though that may not yeah. be the case and yeah. the the opposite works you know the other way right like the law of attraction if you believe you can go to that school the Ivy League school break out of the poverty and you know unlock this other life that you probably could do that right it's all about like what do you want to believe the 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 positive story or the negative story, you know, if we don't have enough, um, you know, adults, mentors, uh, you know, folks who give a shit about unlocking the potential of, of this youth, then we're never gonna, we're never gonna fix, you know, the, the system from the core, right? So 100%, even if you don't go to college, like, still having some kind of plan that you want to fight for. You know, like college isn't always like the end goal. It doesn't have to be. There yep. are very successful people who didn't go. But if you don't have someone in your corner being like, you can do this, keep going, yeah. we have your back, like then you're just like, no, I can't do that, right? And mm -hmm. there have been so many times that that has happened to me, but I've somehow like kept – like there was that light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, no, I'm doing this, even if it's by myself, even if, yeah. if people keep telling me like, I can't do it. Like, I'm not going to get into college. And then I ended up in corporate America. And like, here I am, obviously, like I have a very successful career, but there's more out there that I want to do. And I have people in my corner today, like you and, you know, other mentors that I look up to that are like, go do that. Like, why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel very lucky that I have that. At the end of the day, relationships are all that matter. Like at the end of the day, right? Like it doesn't matter um, how much you make or how prestigious your title is. Who cares, right? Like yeah. if, if, if your, your relationships with others are what are going to make that legacy about, you know, that, that reputation, the legacy you leave behind, the, yeah. hey, the stories that folks can tell about you, they come from those relationships, not from like, a title check, a paycheck check, right? Like it's yeah. Like on. Jessica was a CMO of X company, but she was horrible to people. Like that's not <laughs> what you want people to exactly. say, you know. Like yeah. When I talk about you, I'm like she was my lead, and she is like invaluable to my life. You know, like that's 
truly what I say about you. Actually, <laughs> I'm not just oh. making that up. And you're not my boss anymore. So and I'm she doesn't like, have not. to kiss my butt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely kiss your ass a lot. But it's not because I wanted a promotion or anything. It's because I really liked you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know you've always asked me, like, man, you just seem to to gravitate toward mentoring others. And it's, it's I think that I, I don't think I had told you a story, but it, it stems from there where I was like, you know, my mom had mentors. Now looking back, I can evaluate like she had mentors that led to her mentoring me aside from mothering, right? And just raising yeah. me. Um, and then when I was hit with like a, a wall, someone who was not believing in my potential, I had to like seek out mentors and understand the value of mentors. But there's that that piece right there where I became passionate about helping minorities navigate these things that unlock their potential. So to your point, right, like college isn't the only answer, especially in today's day and age where Gen Z is like breaking a million dollars before they're 22. Like, good, good for them. They figured it out, right? But like people just, they need folks who can help them unlock something right. um, when they don't, they may not know how. And so that's where I became most passionate about like there are people who they just need a nudge, a tiny nudge, someone to believe in them, someone to focus their energy to get to that next step because that one next step could lead to a crazy beautiful future that unravels you know they say the butterfly effect one thing happens now changes the course of you know the world and and history and that's all you need just one person and so that's why today like um, you know, I, I have volunteered with at-risk youth in, in my adult life, but with, I, I find that same satisfaction in people management. I have a team that I am really passionate about, not just from like the work we need to do, the targets we need to hit, but like, all right, day to day, how are you doing? How can I help you unlock what you need to do? Yes, for here, for work, but for what's next? Like, one of my mantras in team leadership and, and, and people management is at the end of the day, we work at these companies and we do it for a reason. We could either be passionate about the mission. Yes, the money. Yes, the experience on our resume. But while we're there, that company should be doing something for us as well. And what I mean by that is like if we show up every day and think like, oh, I need to do this campaign or this project for the company. Well, in one way of thinking about it, that's what it is. But in another way, it's your gathering wins in your like backpack through life that take you to your next thing, right? So as you go to your next job or experience or owning your own company, whatever it is that you built, a strategy, a campaign, um, a report, some template, whatever, all these things that you feel like, oh, I'm doing it for this company today. Yeah, but they're also things that you're building for your backpack, right? That you're going to take with you. And I, I to just like touch on that as well, as someone who literally reported into you, <laughs> I felt like you were so different than any boss that I ever had, honestly, because I felt confident, confident enough to come to you and be like, hey, help me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes it's... Um, it's intimidating to say that to your boss because you don't want to come off incompetent, right? It's like, hey, I've done everything I can. Like, can you help me just like change my perspective? Like I always came to you for help. And yeah. I, instead of just like coming to one-on-one -on -one with like, here's what I did. Everything's mm -hmm. great. I felt that like I, I trusted your judgment and I trusted your support as a leader. And honestly, like I don't know that I've ever had that before, you know? And I think that it's the same across 
the board with anyone that works with you, like people always have really fantastic things to say about you. And it, it made me proud that like I was on your team. I know, I know. No, that means a lot though, because look, my mantra there is be the lead I've always wanted. Right. Yeah. And I've had, I've had that lead several times, but I just, I try to show up every day and I'm like, I, I always put that at the forefront in my mind and in my heart. I'm like, okay, it's a new day. Be the lead I have always wanted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I literally seek out people who I want to be like, and that's how I've found my own mentors and how I've seeked them out. Because when I was younger, I didn't have that. I didn't trust the teachers I went to school with. And it's funny because with you, you're like my umbrella. I think it's yeah. a ripple effect, Jamie. I think, um, it's, it's a pay it forward thing, right? Like, so I, I've maybe, I have become that for you. I've become that maybe for a couple other people that I, I'm aware I'm that too, right? That I, I'm that kind of um, influence or mentor for. Um, but the pay it forward piece, I ended up, you know, I, I am benefiting from some of those relationships now as well. So my like life mentor, um, it, everything, my umbrella mentor, it's funny because his name is Jesse. So we always joke like Jess squared and we're going to like one day open our own empire. Oh, <laughs> um, excuse me. I know. I have a lot of empires underway. <laughs> I have a lot of empires under underway. <laughs> but, um, but look, common denominator here is um, minority. Hispanic American grew up in South Florida. Like we've been through the same life, you know? And, um, the way he, we met is he poached me from my first, uh, advertising agency job. He found me on LinkedIn back when LinkedIn was like, I don't know, in its nascent, uh, stages, I come in to interview. My <laughs> hair is in my, like, everybody knows my tight ponytail, back, yeah. dark hair, my glasses. I'm wearing like a femme fashional suit. Okay. And I walk in and he's just like, I think I said two words. He's like, you're hired. <laughs> oh my like, God. That's amazing. Like, like, as he would say, de pie a cabeza, she had femme fashional written all over her. <laughs> and, um, you know, the rest is history. We started working together at that agency until this day. I mean, He's my, he's my big brother. He's my life mentor. I talk to him about, you know, inv you know, real estate investments. The next thing I'm doing at work, I have a challenge at work. Jesse, help me navigate this. And he's always there for me. Um, and that's, you know, I think when you experience that and you benefit from it, if you're a, you know, kind of pay it forward kind of person, then you're just like, wow, I hope I can do this for someone else too. Is there anything that stands out to you that you'd want to do differently for, you know, your kids? Mm. Um, yes. Okay. So with the family culture stuff, again, going back to that four decade gap between my parents and myself, um, you know, they grew up in old school Columbia, religious Catholic, like different customs, different culture, different time where men were not allowed to have emotions. They didn't talk about their feelings and forget it, not even men, all, all females and males, everyone in the family, nobody talked about how they felt. It was just like, like, oh, you're having a bad day. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup onto the next. Like are, are, are there are people suffering in our country? Like we cannot suffer. Like, what is this first world problems? Like get out of here. Right? Like, so this whole, like, we're not going to talk about how we feel. Mental health is not a real thing. Um, anxiety doesn't exist. What is depression? Like that 
came from those old generations and that machismo and that like we don't air our dirty laundry shit from like back in the day. I would say my husband and I are fully aligned that we are putting a stop to that in the, you know, the passing down the next generation. Like, so from here on out, we will not be passing that on to my, my kids. And I hope that that is what they pass on, you know, what that we teach them is what they pass on to their kids. But that whole, like, back in the day, we don't talk about our feelings. We're done. Like we ended that we, my husband and I have, it's funny because he's actually a white guy from Oregon and some of that existed in his, in his family too. And it's not even a Hispanic thing. It's a, it's a time. It's a period. Yeah. It's a definitely a generational thing where it's like, Ooh, therapy. Like if you're seeing a shrink, like that's, uh, you know, bad where it's like now I openly talk about the stuff that I, you know, mental health is such a huge part of your being today definitely that that shit is nipped in the bud we don't play that game between my husband and my and and i like we don't do that in our relationship and we will not be doing that with our with our kids it is all about like communication let's talk about everything especially these crazy things we hear that teenagers are going through today with social media and all of that like no we need open lines of communication and feelings are real and we're gonna talk about them if my mom was listening to this, she'd be like, ah, it's never enough. Oh, <laughs> Nothing my God. I did was good enough. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. I told my mom when I went to therapy, I told my mom, I was like, yeah, I'm going to therapy like every week. And I told her how much it was. And she's like, pay me. I'll talk to you. I'm like, you're the reason why I'm in therapy. It's not that I would do something differently. I would just say I would tell anyone else who looks like us um of any you know like like I said any ethnicity any religion if you are feeling isolated or in a minority group find your people because you don't need to go through that by yourself they're out there they may not be at your school or down the street but they're not that far away especially with like the world like the melting pot we're in now and and the internet like you can find a community online if they're not you know anywhere near you in a 30 mile radius find your community Find someone that you can confide in and talk about all the things you're experiencing with. You need it. Like find your community and invite yourself to the community. Be a part of it. Um, that I'd say is is something that I would advise to my younger self probably earlier on um, and to anyone else going through that. Um, and then the financial aspect of it, like, okay, so I mentioned like my mom did really well, like for us, like we, the family did really well for itself with the right decisions she made, the money moves she made, the, um, investments, you know, between working really hard, saving, opening up those businesses, them being successful and then making that money work for them with the investments. Like they did it. They reached their American dream. It was the first generation of this family doing that and now they get to like pass on this jump off point for me right like we didn't we're not like sitting pretty where like the generations don't have to work we got to work right I still have to work really hard but at least I get a little jump off point I'd say the difference that I would do is um I would start getting very like much more involved with this jump off point I'm talking about probably like coming out of eighth grade I would have been like all right mom like I need to like I need you to start teaching me the ropes now. And to be honest, I've learned that recently through Gen Z. 
seeing how Generation Z is, is walking through life, like not wasting any time, not waiting until them or someone from their family goes and studies economics in college. They're just like teaching themselves with books and content online. And they're like making these bigger money moves with investments in stocks or real estate investments. And like, they're making these moves before 25. I'm like, okay, I wish I would have started learning about this at like much younger because I yeah. had, I had the resources that my mom was making these moves when I was in middle and high school. She bought her first, you know, uh, rental property probably when I was like in elementary. So like by then she could have been teaching me these lessons much earlier on. So now she's like almost 80 and I'm in my mid thirties and now I'm going to start getting involved with like the quote family business, right? Like, yeah, I'd yeah. say I missed out on about 15 years of making moves earlier on, you know? So, yeah. And I have yeah. to say the fact that you have that, even, you know, while you, you know, you didn't have the whole, like she started you in eighth grade, the fact that you have something that you can like fall back on and your parents or your, your mother has that like money saved is so it's rare i know it's it's rare rare because a lot of first gen actually are their parents retirement fund you know like some people actually have to like now that we're in the corporate world we need to help our family you know like we need to pay it back to them for everything that they sacrifice for us fortunately i don't have that you know like i don't need i'm kind of just like on my own no one helped me and i don't have to help them back and there are definitely ways that i help you know my mom and stuff like that but the fact that like you have that is amazing and i'm so happy to like know that you're appreciative of appreciative of it well i can't speak well but i also like want to pay it forward to your son right exactly that like the appreciation piece of it it's like I feel a diligence, a duty, a, a, a responsibility. I feel this, like going back to like this, these pressures as, as, you know, children of immigrants. Um, I feel this responsibility to say, thank you for everything that you sacrificed to get here. (laughs) Getting emotional. Um, and now it's my turn, you know, to take what you did. And 10x it, make it 10x better. Because again, going back to the beginning, who knows what my life could have been if I didn't get adopted. But I got adopted by these hardworking, badass Colombian Americans who were like, we're going to start our own story, our new story. And now I get to be a part of the next chapter of that story. Like, yeah, there's there's a sense of responsibility there. And, um, I've seen a lot of, you know, I think you too, Jamie, we grew up with like so many different kids and then, and some of them are, some of them have a lot of generational wealth and they don't talk about this kind of responsibility. They don't feel a responsibility to carry another, you know, generation forward. They don't, they don't sense that. They don't even think about this stuff and it must be so nice, right? To like, walk through life not carrying this generational responsibility but like I don't regret it I think it makes me the person I am and and it gives me a strength that I'm so proud of but um yeah it's uh it's 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 a gift and a curse as many would say to be first gen um but but it I I really truly believe it's a gift and it's something we can continue 
to to pay forward with our families but again in our community teaching each other helping each other helping the community elevate as a whole you know not just our family like that is huge and one one celebrity i see do that a lot i don't know all the details or the names of his programs but kevin hart is another one he has you know taken his himself out of the poverty he grew up in and he is passionate about um uh raising awareness about financial literacy and financial freedom within his own communities and that is what we need more of from people who have a huge platform right so just a little shout out to kevin hart (laughs) (laughs) kevin if you're listening we love you (laughs) we love you (laughs) yeah um this shit is heavy. I, I'm, yeah, you know, it's, it is. it's real. It's and real. I don't think people understand it because it, we don't talk about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like something that we are very, um, it's very like sacred to us because we feel it and we understand it, but we don't share it. We just like yeah. do what we need to do to continue. And I say that to Max all the time, my fiance, like I'm so incredibly grateful. And I wonder if like I didn't have these struggles like would I be this grateful because some people just like you said before do not realize how lucky they are that they don't need to think about these things like they're Mm -hmm. not something that needs to be like oh what do I like what about my parents like what about their you know retirement and how do I make sure to help them it's it's their responsibility to literally help them you know send money back or whatever it is and I'm just happy to see that, you know, you, it's, it's, on, yeah. it's in your heart. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you cry. <laughs> that is why I want this podcast to hopefully reach people who don't have those resources, right? Because it's like, yeah. okay, this person did it without any help, right? And mm-hmm. like, it is possible if someone tells you, you can't go to college like don't believe them go Mm -hmm. you know do what you need to do to get yourself there and I think that is so important because not everyone has mentors not everyone has a very successful family or parents who like your parents were hardworking. like it's just not it's it's rare it is very rare how would 15 year old Jess feel about you today (laughs) how would Oh man, fifteen was peak adolescence. Listening, to I, know, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're a bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd say, "Damn, well, okay then. You did it, and you're still doing it, even though you have a family." Uh, okay, so we're gonna get there. She'd probably say, "All right, we're gonna get there." <laughs> oh, I love that. I yeah, really we're gonna get that. there. <laughs> and you made it. You're here. You have when your you're family. 15, Everything feels so dramatic, right? Like, oh my God, yeah, it's everything the end of the world. is the end of the world. And there were many times that I thought, like, what if, like, none of my dreams come true? What if? What if they don't? What if I fail? What if? You know. But being able to to look into the future and be like, you're gonna be fine. Just keep working hard. Keep showing up every day. Whatever you're gonna put into it is what you're gonna get out. Then. And everything will be fine. Just show up. Be honest. Be loyal. Be enthusiastic. Be appreciative of opportunities. And if you don't see an opportunity, make one. Like, just those, like, fundamental things that you take. If you can show up every day with that, 
something good's going to happen for you. Like no one can take away the good intentions and energy and karma you put out into the world. If you're doing that every day, honey, you're taken care of. You'll be fine in the future. Jess, this was so much fun. And I learned a lot about you that I didn't know already. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for putting together this podcast and keeping it going. It's such great content that I know I was always looking for. Sometimes I'd just get like tired of listening to marketing podcasts and murder podcasts and business podcasts and Joe Rogan. And it's like, where are my people? I want to hear about like other people like me and what they're up to and how they got here. So thank you, Jamie, for putting this podcast together and keeping it going. (laughs) What? You hear me? Yeah, now I hear you. Oh my God, we're recording. I like to just have like bits of stuff. Okay. Also, I just wanted you to see my lip. This is for you. You look gorgeous. You look a very New York artsy scene. 